The followers of Jesus have a lot of work to do. Jesus is coming, and with him comes the reign of God, the power and authority and presence of the divine will in every aspect of our lives. Jesus is coming, and he has sent his followers out to prepare for his arrival, to get every town, every village, every home, and every heart ready to receive him and the kingdom that he brings. A mission that expansive requires an unimaginable level of commitment. More and more people are needed to share the good news of Jesus' coming, so Jesus commissions his followers to carry out that work in ever-expanding relationships. The harvest is plentiful, he explains, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. There are too many people and places for a handful of disciples to reach on their own, so each disciple is asked to recruit others for the work that we share. Being a follower of Jesus means inviting others to join in this movement until the good news of God's loving reign has transformed the whole world into the dream that God has for all people. Back in the first century, Jesus inaugurated this work by appointing 70 disciples and sending them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. These 70 didn't include the 12 disciples whom we know so well. These 70 were others whose names are never mentioned members of Jesus' movement who knew that their purpose was to go ahead of him and get people ready for his arrival. Like an advanced team which comes to a city before a presidential visit or a, a big country music concert, these 70 disciples were entrusted with great responsibility. After all, where was Jesus going to stay? Who would welcome him and his 12 disciples into their home? Who would feed them and the group that traveled with them? And when Jesus got to a town, where would he speak? In the local synagogue, if the congregation and leaders were receptive? Or perhaps it would be better for him to preach from a mountainside or a lakeside. And who would even know to come and hear him preach in the first place before Facebook and email and telephones and newspapers? How would people know that Jesus of Nazareth was coming to their town and that he was bringing the reign of God with him? 2,000 years later, is our mission really all that different? Jesus is coming. And with him comes the transforming, redeeming, reconciling reign of God. In the cross, God has made us one with God's self and with each other. Our sins have been forgiven. The powers of evil and death have been dealt a fatal blow. That means that wealth and greed and the economic disparity that they create must give way to the universal prosperity of God's reign. Hatred and prejudice 
and the violence that they fuel cannot withstand the coming kingdom of God. War and environmental degradation and the famine that they produce cannot persist when God's will is manifest throughout the earth. Now nothing can stop the fulfillment of God's promises which are drawing near to the world in the person of Jesus Christ. Oh, there is much work for the followers of Jesus to do, and it's too much work for us to do by ourselves. The harvest is still plentiful, and the laborers are still few. The annals of Christian history may not record our names either, but we are the ones whom Jesus has commissioned to do this important work. And we've got to invite other people to join us in it. We have to help people see what God has done and is doing. We've got to invite them to join us in that holy work of preparing to receive Jesus and the reign of God that he brings to the earth. We have to tell people that Jesus is coming. But when I hear somebody say those words, I want to run in the other direction. Don't you? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Yes. But the people who usually say those words seem to be the people who care more about their own reign than the gracious reign of God. If we will get the world to hear that message and join us in waiting and preparing to receive the one who comes, we have to proclaim that message in a way that is as countercultural as the kingdom we hold up and look for. And Jesus tells us how to do it. Go on your way, he says to the 70 and to us. See, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Jesus' strategy for his advanced team is the exact opposite of what we would expect. Instead of telling them to pack a suitcase so that they can be sure they always look clean-cut and professional, Jesus tells them to pack not even a change of clothes. Instead of giving them some money so that they might display at least a modest level of financial independence and freedom, Jesus tells them to beg their way from one town to another. Instead of encouraging them to make friends in every home in a village so that more and more people might come and hear Jesus' message, he tells them to pick a house and stay put. Imagine what it would be like if a poor, disheveled person you'd never laid eyes on came up to you and said, I have found the one in whom all of God's promises are coming fulfilled. He is the one who can give us true prosperity and peace. Imagine being invited into a religious tradition whose spokespeople aren't icons of prestige and power, of wealth and accomplishment, but humility and simplicity. Imagine being invited by them to follow Jesus. We might as well invite people to join our church because this is the place that will cost them all of their money, all of their freedom, 
all of their power, all of their reputation, all of their authority, all of their family, even their own lives. What sort of strategy is that for building up a church? But it's exactly what Jesus tells us to do. The coming of Jesus and the reign of God that he brings represent the overthrowing of all institutions of earthly power. If the kingdom of God always stands in stark opposition to the kingdoms of this world, how can we belong to God and God's rule when we are immersing ourselves in the ways of earthly power? How can we belong to the one who belongs to the poor when we want nothing to do with them? How can we invite others to receive the reign of God when we're still holding up earthly things like wealth and power as the symbols of ultimate value and accomplishment? The servants of Jesus invite the world to receive the reign of God by becoming utterly vulnerable in the world's eyes. Those who would go before Jesus and prepare others to welcome him must embody with their lives the reign of God that they proclaim with their mouths. Are we ready to do that, really? Now, this vulnerability that Jesus commissions us to accept is not the same thing as passivity. We are not called to sit idly by and wait for God to come and sort everything out. That isn't discipleship. That's fatalism. Instead, we are called to believe with our whole heart and mind and soul and body that in Jesus Christ, God has revealed a fundamental and unbreakable truth that is more precious and valuable than anything that the world could ever give us. And that truth is this, that our fundamental value comes not from who we are or what we have, or what we have accomplished, but only from the sacrificial love that God has for the whole world. When we believe that with our whole selves, we can afford to become vulnerable. More than that, when we belong to the one who dies for the sake of the world in order to bring God's reign to the earth, we cannot help but become vulnerable. That's because when we belong to Christ, we leave behind the fiction of defining ourselves according to the values of the world and begin to accept for ourselves the definition that comes through God's gracious reign. The world is eager to know that truth. Who will bring it to them? This vulnerability is the vulnerability of faith. It's not a vulnerability that removes us from the world's problems, but one that always presses us deeper into them. It pushes us right into the midst of every ungodly circumstance in our society until God's reign takes hold in each of them. By confronting the powers of this world, not with our own power, but with our allegiance to the reign of God, we become vessels through which that reign takes hold in this world. That is how we invite other people to prepare to receive Jesus. And that is why we have been commissioned by Christ to go ahead of him with nothing but the clothes on our backs, 
and the good news of God's love in our hearts. That vulnerability is where God's reign shows up in us. Thanks be to God. Amen.